Hey, thanks for joining us. You're listening to Living Fountains with Pastor Jim Stewart of Calvary Chapel, Kansas City. Today, our study is in the book of 1 Samuel. If you're in a place where you can grab your Bible and follow along with us, we invite you to do so. And if you'd like more information on Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, you can visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. Now, let's join Pastor Jim for today's study. Tonight, we're picking it up in uh, verse 11, technically, of chapter 30. And then we'll travel through the rest of the balance of chapter 30, and then we'll get into chapter 31. There's only 13 verses in chapter 31, so you don't, no need to get freaked out or anything. It's not an all-nighter or anything. So I do want to kind of pick up some things that we're, where we kind of left off with some of the things that happened with David as he's been you know, going through a, a difficult season. You remember he's kind of in a... Backslidden is probably a strong term, but he's definitely not... In God's perfect will. How's that? That's probably a good statement. And he's just kind of regressed a bit from where he was and where he really should be. So he's, you know, in this area of Ziklag, you remember that. And, and you know, he's gotten caught up with uh, the king there that is in opposition to Israel and, um, and God's people. And so now they're going to war against him. They're trying to get David to go along with him. And it's just, it's kind of just a big hodgepodge for David, you know. And remember, one of the great things we pick it up in verse six, where he said, He strengthened himself in the Lord. Remember, we talked how important that was that he strengthened himself in the Lord. He took encouragement. Some of your original King James says, encouraged himself in the Lord. All of that is true. He encouraged himself, he strengthened himself. He really interacted with God. He praised God. He worshiped God. He got really reconnected with the Lord. And from that, and this is the important part for you and me, he reconnected with the Lord. And from that point of reconnection with the Lord, then things started sequentially going into place better. If you and I think things are going to be right in our lives when we're doing things in opposition to God and his word and his purpose and his heart for our lives, then we're going to be in disarray. We're not going to be at peace or there's going to be things that are become disheveled in our lives and it's just not going to be in order the way God would desire. And I don't, I'm not talking about a perfect life, but I'm talking about a life that's really pleasing to the Lord. So that was the first thing he did. We find out the next thing that we see that he did is he actually prayed. He really made inquiry with the Lord. So he inquired of the Lord. First thing, he's encouraged by God in verse uh, 6. And then in verse 8, he actually prays. He he makes inquiry with the Lord. He asks God specifically about things that are going on. I think that's important for us. This is a sequence of good things to come if we get in this kind of a flow. He made inquiry. He engaged the Lord in his situation again. He got connected with God. He started worshiping God. Then he made inquiry of God regarding his circumstance. And then God answered him. The third thing that we see there is that he was told to go ahead and pursue. And so David did that. He went. And so in verse uh, 9, you find that David went. He did what he was supposed to do. God gave him an, an intention. And this is what I intend for you to do. And he did it. And I think that's good. He, he purposed to do what God purposed for him to do. And I, I think that's good. That's a good kind of sequential flow. So now uh, they've left some of their, their guys uh, behind, about 200 in verse 10. We find out there's about 200 guys. There's 600 of them in total. Remember, they've been, Ziklag got violated. It's burned to the ground. And, you know, uh, all their wives are gone, all of their livestock, all of their, everything's gone. Everything they have is gone. And that's what led to David really just getting right with God. It's like, oh my goodness, I, you know, they want to just, you know, stone him, you know, all his guys, you know, so just everything's gone bad in a sense. 
But that's what happens when you go to the world. You know, and especially for those of us as followers of God, you know, returning back is bad news. It's just going to lead to bad things. And so you want to get in this right course and stay on that right course with the Lord. And so he's back on track. He's going out to pursue because the Lord's told him to do that, to, to overtake the enemy. 200 guys are just too wiped out, too, too weary. And so they just stayed at the Brook Bezor. Verse 11 is where we're picking it up tonight. Then they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David. And they gave him bread and he ate and they let him drink water. And they gave him a piece of a cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. So when he had eaten, his strength came back to him for he had eaten no bread or drunk no water for three days and three nights. He's pretty wiped out. Then David said to him, to whom do you belong and where are you from? And he said, I am a young man from Egypt, a servant of an Amalekite, and my master left me behind because three days ago I fell sick. We made an invasion of the southern area of the Cheshireites in the territory which belongs to Judah and of the southern area of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag with fire. And David said to him, Can you take me down to this troop? So he said, Swear to me by God that you will neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will take you down to this troop. Now, this is the funny thing that happens when we get in the right course with God. God has a providential leading that happens. In other words, God, providence means God at work behind the scenes. And it's so important for us as believers, for us followers of God, that we acknowledge that God is always at work. He's moving, he's doing things, even when we don't see it. One of the things I often mention, and you'll hear me mention this over and over again, I think it's worth noting and remembering, because a lot of times we can spend our time as believers getting fixated on certain things that we think God should be doing but he's not from our vantage point. We think God should be doing this or this should be happening or that should be happening. And we spend our time fixating on why he's not doing those things. And while we're over here spending all our time focused on what we think he's not doing, but he should be, we're missing everything that God's doing. It's real important for us to keep our sights on our master and watch what he's doing and follow him. Just flow with the Lord, go with God. As God moves, stay with the Lord. Because all this other stuff is our perspective, and it's not necessarily what God's doing or not doing. We're missing things if we are focused on what we think he should be doing, but we think he's not. Providence is the acknowledgement that even if I'm not sure of what's going on, I know God's at work. Providence is knowing that God is at work behind the scenes. We saw that all through Esther, the whole story with Mordecai and the whole thing is all about that. And, not, and God is not mentioned once. The name Jehovah is not mentioned once. And yet it's all about God. God at work behind the scenes. God at work behind the scenes. Again, this is why it's so important to be praying and praying and praying for people because that we, we're, we're engaged now in the work behind the scenes of what God's doing. And we get to watch it start to unfold. But then when it starts to unfold, we see it through the spiritual eyes. It's not some foreign concept. We've been praying this way. 
And we're going to recognize because we're in tune with the Lord. We're dialed in. We're, we're on his frequency. And we're flowing with God. So we'll start watching things kind of come together. What's the likelihood? Now, all of a sudden, there's this guy. He falls sick, right? And he's left behind by his master. Now he's out kind of hungry and left, kind of just left there. And all of a sudden, David's guys come across, find him. But he was with this other people, and he knows where they're at. This is, this, that's God stuff that happens. And that'll happen for you. That happens for me. That'll happen in our lives as we kind of, I think this, those first three things are important that we noted. Those first three things that we mentioned. Man, strengthen yourself in the Lord. Praise him. Focus on him. Make inquiry. Pray. Seek the Lord. And then do as the Lord says. Just simply do as the Lord says. Again, does that have anything to do with trying to figure out what he's not doing? Doesn't have anything to do with that, does it? Because that's a waste of your time. It's a waste of my time. I dare say a large pool of believers spend their time on that, on what they think God should be doing, but he's not. And I just, I really try not to get too sidetracked with that because it'll, it, it just, it's, you just get lost and miss the whole deal. God's leading his providence. He's at work behind the scenes. Here's this guy that's able to lead him. Let's pick it up, verse 16. And when he had brought him down, there they were spread out all over the land, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil which they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the hand of Judah. And then David attacked them from, the, from twilight until evening of the next day. Not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. Now, 400 seems like a pretty good group to escape. So that must mean there was a, probably a, a mass of them, you know, a large, large group. Now remember, David had 600 guys, right? But he went down with only 400 because 200 stayed back with the supplies, remember? 200 stayed back. So David recovered all. Remember, this was one of the things that we talked about. How do we recover all? These are the things to do, you know, because the enemy, you know, came to rob, kill, and destroy. And we want to regain those things that the enemy would have taken and again, I think this is a, an important concept. He recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives. And nothing of theirs was lacking, neither small nor great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them. And look at, again, David recovered all. Not partial, but all. And I believe that's a good word for us, that God will restore what the canker worm ate away. You know, the things, the times, the, the years that some of us wasted in the world. Some of us were wasted while we were in the world, you know. But the time that we spent just doing dumb stuff and not getting anything accomplished in the kingdom, just, just wasting life, really. And God will restore back to you those things. And I really believe this flow is what's important, though. It's very important for us to stay in that kind of a, a mindset of following God. And David took all the flocks and herds they had driven before, uh, before those other livestock and, and said, this is David's boy. He gathered all of the stuff that they had taken and said, this is ours now. This is ours. God's restored all this and this is ours. And then some. This, this is the thing that's crazy. There's the and then some. You remember how what, what uh, um, Job went through. You remember how that happened for him? He went through all that and he lost everything, but then God restored even more back to him. Again, what about Joseph? 
what Satan meant for evil. God turned it for good. And all he had, you know, was lost. He's in and out of jail, you know, and stuff. But then God made him ultimately kind of ruler over all of the goods of, of Egypt, you know. He was Pharaoh's right-hand guy. So you start thinking about how God does that and, and really restores and brings back. But then even more than, you know, God is faithful. You know, when we commit ourselves to the Lord and we commit our lives to the Lord, God, you can't outgive God. It's mashed down, pressed out, and overflowing is the way it's returned to us when, we, when we're really devoted and committed to the things of the Lord. Now, David came to uh, the 200 men, remember the ones who had been so weary that they could not follow David, whom they also had made to stay at the brook Bezor. So they went out to meet David and meet the people who were with him. And when David came near the people, he greeted them. David was all excited to see them. They're excited to see David. This is a right heart, right? So we're seeing certainly a right heart in this with David. Then all the wicked and the worthless men of those who went with David answered and said, because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered, except for every man's wife and his children, that they may lead them away and depart. So man, these guys didn't go with us. Get rid of them. They're no good, you know, just eliminate them. Okay, and this is a great, great principle. This is a principle. This is our, our missions. These next two verses are how we perceive missions in general. I perceive ministry this way in totality. There are many different gifts within the body of Christ, many different abilities and talents that people have. You may perceive yourself a certain way, but as, as God uses your life, that's really maybe more the way God designed it to be. We, we get these things fixated again. We get fixated on certain things, and then God say, man, you spent all that time fixated on this, and this is where I was flowing with you over here. I wanted to flow with you over here, but you were just so bent on that. And, you know, it's, it's so much better to just do as God purposes and just be in the flow with the Lord and let God have his way. But these guys come back from the battle. Now, David's glad to see him. He's excited. He's good to see him. David says to these other ones in verse 22, the wicked and worthless, you know. And why are they wicked and worthless? They didn't have a right perspective of the heart of God and the family aspect of what was going on. Those guys stayed back with the supplies. And David said, my brethren, you shall not do so. And I love his, his premise for this. Look at what his platform he stands on with this. My brethren, you shall not do so with what the Lord has given us. Paul the apostle said, what do you have but that you have not first received it? Every good, Jesus said, every good and perfect gift comes from the father of lights. James said that. Every good and perfect gift. What do you have, Paul said, that, but that you didn't first receive it? But see, we're so caught up in our earning and that it's, we're, we're entitled to that. That's mine. And all this stuff gets so wrapped up in our minds that we forget that, man, the Lord gave that. Read through Job. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Job's response was, blessed be the name of the Lord. You know, that's, that's, it's, it's easy to say when things are going good. When you're on the bad side of that, that's a, that's a tough deal when you watch things not go quite so well. I've had a lot, my life is full of just vast assortment of, of experience that way. Things have gone really good. Things don't go, always go so good. Things go good. Sometimes things, but hey, man, it's all up to God. 
We do what we can with all that. We try and exercise wisdom and be but God's in ultimately in control. The thing is, really, do we trust the Lord? Do we trust that God can take care of everything? I love this. My brethren, you shall not do so with what the Lord has given us, who has preserved us and delivered into our hand the troop that came against us. Who, who really did the work? David saying, man, you guys are missing the focus here. God did this for us. And these other guys are our, our brothers. They're our family. And he says, for who will heed you in this matter? Who's really going to go in on this? But as his part is, as his part is who goes down to the battle, so shall his part be who stays by the supplies they shall share alike. This is a spiritual concept that plays out on into eternity. You and I can't travel all over the globe and be everywhere. You know, we've just had the last couple of weeks, we just had interesting people share. We had Saudi Arabia, and we had from Bethany, and then we had down into Mexico, in Oaxaca, Mexico, in the mountains. I mean, you got this, you know, much more modern environment, you know, in Saudi Arabia compared to this totally third world environment where Harold lives, two different things. And, and yet, we can't, we aren't going, we can't physically go, but we can be a part of it through prayer. We can be a part of it through helping them economically with their, with their journeys. We can partner with them. And in so doing, we are a part of it. We are a part of it together, collectively. And we will share in that into eternity. I try and find as many things like that as I can be a part of. As God will allow me to be a part of. I could think to myself, oh my goodness, I spent 16 years flying back and forth, you know, you know, halfway, literally halfway around the world. And just think, well, gosh, that was, you know, they had good yoza and, you know, there's some other things that are good about it. But, I, you know, but God knows what that investment, God knows what that is. God knows what that's all about. God put that on our hearts. We just want to be obedient to those things. You know, I always kid with people. I tell them, you know, that's, that's my, you remember when you first get, get to school after you've been gone for the summer and you get back to school and your teacher tells you, you know, hey, I want you to write a one-page paper just on how I spent my summer vacation. That's me. Spare minutes, spare time I had, I went. I'd go and do something like that. And just, you know, just to just share the gospel, just to try and encourage the, the, church, the body of Christ there, you know? The Lord knows those things. God knows. God knows those things for you and me, our lives. God knows that. And those are things that, you know, I heard a good thing on this, uh, on the word uh, that Paul used. He said that he was sharing with one of the churches, and he says, hey, I desired not the gift, but the fruit. So he says, I, it wasn't your finances that I wanted. Because he was just giving them to the church in Jerusalem that was hurting, remember? He was, went and collected the, the resources from the, the Gentile churches, wanting to kind of build a bridge, you know, and kind of get the two, you know, this one body. And he, he knows that. And he's just trying to get them to work together and, and have the right perspective. He says, but I don't desire the gift, but he said the fruit that abounds to your account. And that word fruit, in its original, you know, in the Greek, really when it would, was used to describe in that context and stuff was interest dividends compounding. 
It's, it's a chart in an account of interest dividends compounding. He says, that's what I really, that's what I seek for you, the interest dividends. And he's not talking about money. See, he's talking about the spiritual ramifications into eternity. I can't wait for you to see the people that will come up to you in eternity and say, you know what? You went to that church, didn't you? That got that radio station that shares the gospel. Do you know I got saved listening to that? See, we can just get so balled up in our perspective of what things are to be and how it's supposed to be. But man, what happens when we get to the other side and somebody comes up to you and says, you, you went, you're a part of that. You, you realize you share in that blessing in eternity that they're there because of your heart for our city, for our metropolitan area? That is so cool to me. That's God's economy. That's how it really works. That's how it's described in the Bible. You remember the might was, was, was greater than any of the vast resources that some of these other people were putting in, not monetarily, but from God's perspective, because the might that was given was out of all of the sustenance. It cost her to give that. The one that gave a bunch, that had a bunch, it just was... There's still a bunch, but man, that might, it meant a lot. So God's economy is different than ours, and God sees it different. And, and I think this kind of describes that in a word picture for us in a great way. So it was from that day forward, he made a statute and an ordinance for Israel to this day. This is a great, this is our missions, this is our scripture for missions. This is what we use we believe that whether we stay here back here with the supplies or whether we go, we are partners together in it and we share alike. And that, brothers and sisters, that's why we use the word partner so often. God wants to partner with you and me. He, our heavenly father is, has a business called Kingdom Builders Business. That's his business. He builds the kingdom. And he asks us as his sons and daughters, we got grafted into, in Ephesians chapter one, we got as adult, as adults, we got adopted into the family and are a part of the family business. And the family business is kingdom building. And we get to be partners with it. We get to help and be a part of that business of building the kingdom. God is just so great in how he does that. I think it's awesome. And so I love that word. I love that concept because God has chosen to use us to move in and through our lives in this way. This is Pastor Jim. You know, I know as we listen to the word, oftentimes the spirit begins to convict us. And you know, Jesus said he's the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father but through him. You know, it is very exclusive, Christianity is, and I know that offends some, but it's also all-inclusive in that Anyone who would give their life to Jesus can have everlasting life, but it is exclusive in the sense that Jesus said he is the way, the only way to have everlasting life. If the Lord's tugging on your heart just now, 
Would you open the door and let him in? Just pray this simple prayer of faith along with me now. While you're driving or, or wherever you are, uh, whatever you're doing, sitting in front of a computer, wherever you are, whether it's through the internet or through the airwaves, I just encourage you right now to open your heart to Jesus and begin that new life. Just pray this simple prayer with me. Jesus, I want to ask you to come into my heart, to forgive me of my sin, to be my personal Lord and Savior. I thank you for forgiving me. I thank you for the newness of life that I have in you, and I ask that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit, that my life might be pleasing to you and give you glory. I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed and received the Lord into your heart today, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us or another Bible teaching church in your area so you may be encouraged in your new journey. If you'd like more information about Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, simply visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. And if you're social media savvy, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash calvarychapelkc. Also, Living Fountains podcasts are available in the iTunes store now, and you can download them at no cost. If you're in the Kansas City area and you'd like to join us for worship, we meet in Overland Park on Sunday mornings. The service times and directions can be found at calvarychapelkc.com or you can simply contact the church office at 913-681-1635. It's been great spending time with you today in God's Word and we look forward to you joining us next time on Living Fountains.